people that had been absolutely unequivocally loyal, who had propagandized on his on his behalf. But all of those people, they just stopped. Dramatically so, um, because anybody in the world of boxing knew that double life was over. And if they wanted to make a living out of boxing, they could not be coming out in support of Daniel Killian. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. He's the world heavyweight boxing champion who has just been refused entry to the US as a result of sanctions levelled against the Kinahan Organised Crime Group. So just what are Tyson Fury's links to mobhead Daniel Kinahan and how far back does the relationship go? Will the ban against him and 600 associates of the Irish Mafia affect careers and futures of boxers as well as those involved in criminal operations? Today, I'm talking to Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the rise of the Gypsy King and the influence of Kinahan on his career and extraordinary comeback. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. I got the news late, very late on Friday night that Tyson Fury was being basically banned from entering the United States. So a bit of a frenzy to to get the story up because I think we both knew uh, how big a story this is. This is just way beyond crime reporting. This is a massive international story. A huge sports star, the heavyweight champion of the world, is not allowed to enter the US because of his links to Daniel Kinahan. Yeah, literally got me out of my bed to uh, help get it up online. Saws. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's an incredible uh, an incredible story, really. I mean, if you think traditionally the heavyweight champion boxer of the world is probably, it used to be regarded as the most famous sports person on the planet. Um, you know, that, 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 that Tyson Fury, who's become an iconic figure in boxing certainly because of his victories to not be allowed into the US i mean it's it's devastating for him um it is a massive massive story and uh i suppose more than anything it just shows you uh, the US officials they just don't mess around mm, mm. he uh was actually very publicly in liverpool that night and there was a lot of um well commentary shall we say or maybe a little bit of abuse from some of the fans coming into my Twitter. But um, I was very confident that he had indeed attempted not quite to board a plane and been kind of like, you know, strong armed off it. But he certainly had booked a flight and the flight was out of Manchester earlier in the day and he had been informed that he wasn't going to be allowed to enter the US. So um, it seems a lot of boxers are attempting to buy flights just to see to test the waters. Yeah, I mean it like obviously the 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 Gardaí have came out publicly and said 600 people associated with with Kinahan some of them perfectly law abiding people but have associated with him through boxing some of them not so law abiding to say the least. Um 
So, I mean, I remember when that figure came in, 600 and somebody somebody in the newsroom saying to me, oh, can we get that list? Mm-hmm. And, you know, while we'd love to get it, yeah. you know, it's not it's not like that. It's not because we hand it out to journalists mm-hmm. and for people to peruse. No, or or to anybody else. Yeah. So, I mean, the way it seems to work is you only find out, it doesn't matter if you're the world heavyweight champion with a million dollar operation behind you, the only way to find out is to actually book a flight and try and get on. Um, and that it's an, it just shows you the, the, how the Americans do things. Um, you know, I don't know even if there is a way to appeal that, or is it just that's the case? That is it. Mm. Um, but I suppose people who anybody has flown to 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 the states from Ireland even will know when you get to well, at least as I remember when you get to Shannon, there's that's where the immigration service. You don't have to go to Shannon anymore. How long is this since you're in America? Goodness sake. Yeah, no, you do pre-immigration here. I think we're the only country in the world, actually, Mm. that they'll do pre-immigration with. So we get through and we can just walk on. But I actually flew from the UK um, in the last couple of months uh, to Phoenix and you are, you know, you're stopped out there for your documents to be checked. Actually, it was very quick. I think Phoenix is one of the most efficient airports in the States, but it can be slow going into New York from from the UK. But he never even set foot in the fight, flight because, look, I suppose nobody wants a big, huge, uh, you know, media drama in an airport at the moment. Things are bad enough, aren't they? Yeah. So, you know, they're obviously informing them beforehand. There's no point in you getting on this flight because you ain't getting off it. And which is the same as what seems to have happened to Matthew Macklin. Um, Matthew Macklin uh, obviously was the co-founder of 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 M. Well, what ultimately became MTK with Daniel Kinnahan. Um, they haven't been associating, mm. I think, in recent times. Um, Matthew Macklin's gone on to become a very prominent uh, commentator with, with 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 Sky and others. And um, but he was refused. I think he didn't get out of the UK as well. He mm. was stopped at that point. Um, so and there's a few others that's been named in the in the UK media, not quite as high profile as the two of them. Um, and look, it's probably happening to people on a daily basis, but we don't know who they are and they aren't of any major relevance. But obviously, Tyson Fury is. You mentioned Matthew Macklin, which really brings us back because I think anybody who's only paid attention to this Tyson Fury end of the story or the boxing end of the story in, in recent times, probably since the US sanctions, doesn't really know exactly what those links are. So I thought we'd go back and we will just... And recall for ourselves exactly when Tyson Fury came into Daniel Kinahan's world and what was going on at that time, because it is very significant, um, very significant period of time, really, when he comes on the scene and uh, when Daniel Kinahan has very much been in the media. So we take it from, we go back and we just briefly go over what happened. So Gary Hutch, a former friend of Daniel Kinahan's, a member of the extended Hutch family here in Dublin, is shot dead in the Costa del Sol in September of 2015. And the next major event that happens is the Regency Hotel attack, where David Byrne is shot dead. But that Regency Hotel attack um, causes huge chaos within the Kinahan organization. Daniel Kinahan believes he was the target and that he escaped with his life. He returns to Spain where he has a gym called MGM, set up initially in 2012 with Matthew Macklin. And initially when it was set up, I think we all felt it was a bit of a hobby. Yeah, We didn't realize exactly what it would become by then. No, I think I think the first few fighters 
that, that were signed to the, the MGM were quite low profile, very uh, local Dublin guys, really, um, not necessarily going to challenge for world titles. I mean, really on a, on another kind of another kind of level. Um, you know, they were they were obviously working in that gym. There was no big promotion arm. There was, you know, it it really looked like a, a like a hobby, I suppose. Yeah. Um, they were but, running those white collar events, which looked like well, they were raising money for charities, but they were running these events out in Marbella and. Daniel Kinnahan was fighting himself at them. Like, I mean, they were they were a small group, weren't they? They were a small group, and they they took a number of kind of amateur boxers in Dublin, and they were giving them putting on small scale fights. Some in the UK, obviously, then eventually starting to come back to Dublin and and a couple of fights in the local area. But it was really, you know, it was not. Uh, they were didn't look like they were going to try and take over the world. Mm. Of course. Ambition is not something that Daniel Kinnan has ever lacked, and no. that it quickly, uh, it quickly, all of a sudden, they were they were going from local guys in Dublin to sort of bigger names. Uh, yeah, they went initially, I think, for a lot of the U the UK rather Olympians, um, Thomas Stoker and uh, a couple of other names I don't recall just at the moment. But this expansion seemed to occur very much so between about 2013 and 15. And by 2015, they were bringing, they were putting on shows in, in um, the Three Arena. They were putting on shows in the Tree Arena, and they were also doing them in 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 across the UK in mm. places like Liverpool and some in Scotland and and places like that. And um, they also signed up uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders uh, will become a world champion. He was probably he became one of their first really really big signings. Um, where they were going for these guys that just it was very hard to see them. You know they were they were. Some of the Irish fighters were well known and all that, but Billy Joe Saunders was the first maybe guy that was going to be an uh, international mm -hmm. recognised boxing superstar. And he, of course, is a very significant figure in the Tyson Fury story. So by the time Kinnahan returns after the returns to Spain initially after the Regency Hotel incident, um, He's gone back and MGM is massive. I think they have signed at this point about 100 boxers. It is a properly functioning um, promotions company, Jim. They do have at this point their merch. They have um, a big name for themselves in the boxing scene. And they're kind of threatening really to kind of engulf a lot of the other promoters that are out there that they seem to be kind of outbidding them for fighters. And they're offering a certain what I would call a nirvana out in Marbella in Spain, Puerto Banus, where they're based. These boxers who, boxers seem to be very badly treated from the way I can see it. Um, and these boxers are all of a sudden offered a decent wage. Their families are being invited out to Spain. They're being given a villa to live in and they have a nice swimming pool and a lifestyle. It's yeah, I mean, it's heaven. traditionally it's been hard for like, you know, I was like, like probably at the cream of any sport, um, there's huge money to be made, but really on the 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 level below that, boxers have struggled to make a living, and people that have been putting on developing fighters, um, they have to go through make a lot of losses uh, before that fighter can start generating money for them. I mean, and that's partly that's why boxers have been treated badly because they get they get dumped if they don't make it, you know. They 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 struggle to 
make any money out of it, even though they're putting in all putting in all these fights. So MGM, as it was then, it was uh, I suppose it was it was all it was bizarre how quickly it it, it went from being you know, really what looked like a, a local kind of, club. A local club. And mm. all of a sudden it wasn't just that they were signing up fighters, they were opening branches in across the UK, in other countries. They you know, it was an incredibly scaled up operation. And if you consider that they that there was nobody else doing that. Mm. There wasn't anybody else that was taking all boxing from from root to mm. to to stem. You know that were running those gyms. They were, you know, it was it was incredible. Uh, and it wasn't just boxers, of course. They were signing up as trainers, and they had all these sort of nutritionists and everybody working for them. And um, you know that was part of it as well, wasn't it? That the boxers were given a particular diet, particular food. They were eating out. I remember seeing some of the social magazines that were over in Marbella. And again, this is pre just pre twenty sixteen. February 2016 Regency event, um, you know, they were eating this particular diet and they just seemed to, they got the, they were getting what like these international stars of other sports, I suppose, get. And yeah, they were being, I mean, mid-level treated boxers. Treated well, were they? <laughs> yeah, well, their mid-level boxers were being treated like like world champions, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And they were getting all those facilities and, you know, it was, it was, it was an incredibly quick expansion. It happened a bit slowly and then it just seemed to skyrocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they had all the, the arms of the company Company. They had, as you said, all the merchandise. You just seemed to hear that they they were signing deals all the time. I mean, there was deals in South Africa, yeah. there was deals in Australia. You know, incredible stuff. Now, the, all the while, the sporting world was looking on in awe, perhaps. But I suppose we were looking at it with the two trajectories. We were seeing this expansion of Daniel Kinahan who of of the club, the the promotions company he had founded. And we were also seeing the trajectory of his other face, which was the 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 organized crime world that he belonged to. Um, and after 2016, he moves to Dubai. And the MGM gym was raided in the September of 2016, just after he moved to Dubai. And that was part of the arrest of James Quinn, a Dubliner who would later be tried and found guilty of the murder of Gary Hutch. Yeah, James Quinn was um, somebody who'd grown up in the same flat complex as uh, Daniel Kinahan in in the Oliver Bond flat complex. Um, He'd been... uh, He'd known Daniel's family all his life. He had meant to have been very close to Daniel's mother. Um, he'd gone over in theory uh, to work in that in in the MGM gym where he did do some training. Um, but really, he was uh, a classic uh, muscle for an organised crime gang. He was really there to carry out the orders when violence was needed. I mean, that's just simply what he what he did. Um, so he that's he became. Uh, Daniel's muscle really in in Marbella. I tell you what I was told he was Daniel Kinahan's personal hitman. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was told he was and that he was operating on a retainer out in Spain. He was paid, he'd sometimes drive for him, he'd do this that the other for him, but he was sitting waiting to be told. Yeah. What to do when I mean, it came he had to a, he had crime. a yacht ultimately, wasn't he arrested he did, on his, yeah. on a, on a on a yacht worth I think 6 7 I can't remember. Stuffed with money as well. There was money everywhere. And he was, um, that's what he was. And he was out there and every time he was on this retainer and uh, I was told whenever he did an extra job, he got up to 100 grand. Yeah. And that's, 
what he was believed to have got for for the murder of Gary Hutch. So but, so this is what you had then, like you you had this these two tracks where yeah. on one level you know you had um these guys this expansion of what looks what is a legitimate boxing business. Yes, but at the heart of it is a guy. Yeah. On this other trajectory yeah. of, of murder, drug dealing and, and weapons trafficking. Yes, and you had but you had people interspersed between both worlds, yeah. like James Quinn, um, you know, who are who are you know working within the gym as, as legitimate trainers and also working in the other side of the business, let's put it that way. Mm. So it was a bizarre kind of um thing where it was it was hidden in plain sight I suppose. Totally and utterly and um, it was just an extraordinary thing to watch for so long. Interestingly just as a little aside one of the first boxers you know who as you say from the very beginning they were almost amateur maybe verging on professional to be signed up was Ian Dixon. Yeah. And Ian Dixon of course is a cousin of Daniel Kinnahan he was signed up to the original MGM and became a coach or a trainer or whatever out there and he of course is named during the US sanctions. Yeah. You know. I mean you had uh, a guy Kevin Lynch as well who was working in, as a as a trainer in in the gym who'd also been arrested as part of Operation Shovel in 2010 and had been also described as kind of muscle for for the Kinnan organized crime group and um, who had a, a serious criminal history in Ireland. So it was it was it was a bizarre thing where these guys were appearing in photos all the time with, with boxers um legitimate boxers mm. appearing in, in in ringside. I mean, Daniel was, remember, if you look back, Daniel was appearing at ringside mm. at the time with fighters. Um, you know, they were all there in the front row otherwise, uh, you know. Such a short time away. Like, you know, when you think back, it's really only five years and he would have been wandering around at these fights. Okay, it's yeah. a little bit more, six years maybe. But he would have been wandering around at these fights around Dublin. We have so many photographs of him every time he was flying in and out. And now he is, you know, the hunted, uh, you know, out there somewhere hiding out from from the law. Yeah, I mean it was exactly it was it was it was unusual and it was it was because like you know in Ireland obviously they had the reputation that they had but you know they seemed to be able to put that aside and you know the famous example of course is him doing an interview with uh, one of the boxing magazines is probably his only ever on the record interview or whatever and you know he wasn't asked about that, but I mean, all of that stuff had this been. This is Daniel. This yeah. is Daniel. Yeah. Um, but all of that stuff had been, you know, if you googled his name, yeah, the crime stuff it's was coming there, up yeah. before the boxing. But the boxing world didn't want to hear that. They didn't. No, and he, they, as they repeated to us many a time, he'd no convictions. Yeah, they exactly. And but even even then, beyond that, when gyms were being raided and you know people that were working there were being arrested for various crimes like James Quinn you know there was it, there, you know whether people are convicted or not I mean and ultimately James Quinn was convicted it didn't make any difference people just didn't want to hear it It was Teflon the boxing it was MGM Teflon. wasn't it? it I mean it was another guy a guy called Marvin Herbert who is well known um, in the UK and he had worked as an enforcer for years in drug gangs um, and you know self-professed at that I, I'm not just accusing of that he has you know 
done interviews about it. But he was actually looked wanted for a, a significant case in the UK on which he never ended up standing trial. But uh, he was brought back. He was actually arrested in the gym and dragged out. And everyone just ignored it. Yeah. Like there was no, nothing seemed to stick with it. I thought that September 2016 raid as part of the arrest for the Gary Hutch murder would have stuck. But I suppose internationally, who was Gary Hutch? You know, nobody cared, did they? They just didn't want to know. No, and uh, maybe it's the way things are broken down in journalism or whatever, that sports are sports and mm. politics is politics and crime is crime. And, you know, the intersections maybe can slip through that way. But certainly, um, um, you have to remember as well, like they had a, you know, they they spent a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, promoting themselves uh, away from that. Yeah. If you know what I mean, it didn't just happen by accident. I mean, they had people pumped out on YouTube channels, on other, you know, other mm-hmm. other forums. I mean, a huge amount of money was spent on PR. I mean, we we know that for a fact. Yeah, to try and uh, counteract the 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 effect of the Irish media, um, to 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 veer it away from there. People were being put forward for various podcasts, stuff like that, boxers, all to move it away from that. Um, they were promoting it's very themselves. very successful. When you think about that, it's slightly scary because the voice of the Irish media saying, actually, this guy is a massive big criminal, yeah. was just silenced. Yeah, swamped out, though. I mean, it, yeah. was deliber- it was a deliberate thing. And I mean, look, we've all, who knows exactly, but I mean, you're talking six figures, more mm. sums spent on PR effectively. So that's where it was. Um, and while the legal letters came flying into... Um, Media organisation. Yeah, it was a double. It was a double. Uh, a double strategy. Um, you know. Um, and so I suppose Tyson Fury came in. When Tyson Fury came in, um, that was, I suppose, a way for them to move even further into the big time, and away from I think the uh, the the if you want the the whiff of of criminality that had surrounded it, I think Tyson Fury was seen as a way to to push him into the next level. Exactly. And that was just in 2017. And just to set the scene for for when he arrived, Michael Conlon had fought in New York. Now, I can't remember whether they'd signed him up at that stage, Michael Conlon, or he was going to be his brother. Jamie Conlon was certainly involved with them. One way or another, both Conlons ended up um, working with MTK, the brother Jamie as a vice president actually of MTK and Conlon I think retained some independence uh, but was certainly uh, linked to them. Yeah, I mean I think the you know, the Conlins are some of the people that have, both, both brothers have come out recently and said they've nothing more to do with MTK and there's never been any suggestion obviously that mm. they've involved in any criminality but they were the type of people that that, 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 that Certainly, the, that MTK were looking for at the I time. So I remember seeing MTK were just gagging to get at Mick Conlon because he was so massive, so big. And I often wondered, did the brother get the job in it and, you know, so high up the rankings as an effort to get to Mick Conlon, who was the real star of boxing? Yeah, he was the real, he was, and, and, and you know, in terms of, they had a, certainly at that point in the, in the operation, they were intent on signing up every well-known Irish boxer, some of the Olympians, people like that. They were just, they just hoovered them up relentlessly. Anyone with a big name. Yeah. And at that point in, in, in 2017, Conlon was fighting in Madison Square Garden in Manhattan, like an amazing, amazing uh, 
point of his career. Anyway, within months, um, in Marbella, in, in Porta Banus, where the MGM gym still is, and possibly at this point is on its way to being turned into, or we're told within, towards the end of 2017 anyway, that the gym has sold. It's been changed hands and that Sandra Vaughan has bought it outright, a tanning tycoon from Scotland, that Daniel Kinnahan and Matthew Macklin have sold it and walked away from it. But that all comes around the same time that Tyson Fury shows up. Now, Tyson Fury isn't the guy that we see nowadays, the fit sporting champion. At that point in um, around the May of 2017, he was obese. He was six foot nine, 26 stone and had had a two year hiatus from boxing. Yeah, I mean, Tyson Fury had been um, had been become a world champion um, even before he became a world champion, he had spoken about battling mental health issues, um, you know, very actually honest and, and, and you know, you know, quite moving when you hear him talk about his struggles. Um, he'd become a world champion and uh, things had degenerated. Um, he'd spoken about, you know, drinking too heavily. He'd spoken about eating way too much. He'd obviously completely stepped away from boxing. Uh, he'd lost the run of himself by whatever way you want to describe it, um, genuinely struggled. And I think um, what you have to remember is looking back and that people had written him off, like the guy was never, ever going to come back. He, you know, he'd be featuring papers every now and again. I don't think anybody believed that he could recover from that. And I remember reading things and people saying, you know, you can't put your body through that and come back and become a world champion. Like nobody could ever doubt his his talent. Like he's the most, uh, you know, one of the most natural boxers, I think, in, 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 in you know, of all time, probably as a heavyweight, the most naturally mm. gifted in terms of, you know, his ability, despite his size, his, his you know, his ability to to to, to move and, and his boxing brain. But he was totally written off. I mean, people, there was, I don't think that anybody... The UK Anti-Doping Agency had suspended him in June of 2016 to make yeah. matters worse because he'd failed a, a drug test. So he was really on the scrap heap. He was really on the scrap heap. He'd, he'd said a lot of things about, uh, he'd become a focus of very negative media attention for some of the quotes he'd, he'd given about uh, gay people and things like that. I mean, you know. And women. And women. So he, he, was, a, he was written off yeah. by, but not by everybody. No, and of course he was and remains uh, a very close friend of Billy Joe Saunders, who was within the fold. And again, maybe you see how somebody, you know, opens the door for them to somebody else, which is actually, um, you know, that chasing of celebrity is used amongst certain cults as well. Weirdly, <laughs> I'll just throw that in there. It is actually, you know, they chase celebrity and yeah. they try and get introductions to people and all the rest of it. But no, anyway, this is with sports, so it's different. But um, they were out there. The first video that emerged of the two of them were actually, they were running through fountains of water in Marbella and, and they had done this kind of like what would be now be a TikTok type thing. They looked mental. I mean, Tyson Fury was absolutely huge. He was he was kind of the body was coming after him after he was he was jumping through it. They started him and Billy Joe Saunders doing this kind of like double act nearly, and the videos were coming fast and furious nearly every day. Tyson Fury was driving around with Billy Joe. They were talking about his come back, how he was going to, you know, 
basically how he was going to fight really hard to get his career back on stream. They're talking about how good life was on the Costa. They were being chauffeur-driven, the two of them. They were being fed, you know, proper diets and all the rest of it. And um, I think at that point, um, Tyson Fury's uh, big thing was to get back in the ring to beat that doping ban suspension and um, to lose that weight, mainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, exactly. And I mean... What weight is a heavyweight like? Well, I suppose it can be whatever weight they want. Well, to, not 26 stone. No, no. I mean, it, like, I mean, if you look at him actually at the time, you know, I mean, he really struggled to move, you know. Mm. I mean, it's an incredible achievement in a way mm. to come back from that point. Um, but I think people thought even physically, like he was going to have to lose something like 10 stone, like the physical pressure that would put on your system alone. Um, you know, people really didn't believe that you could come back. Mm-hmm. But obviously, Daniel Kinahan had played a big role in deciding that he was going to take a gamble on this guy. Um, well, he was remaining in the background, and it was really only that Fury posted a selfie taken with Daniel Kinahan. It wasn't very clear where or when it had been taken, but nonetheless, it was kind of put out there as this social media interaction with Billy Joe and all their training was becoming kind of like almost reality TV. So, you know, that was clear that Kinahan was 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 there somewhere in the background. Um, and as I said, in around the end of 2017, we're told that Kinahan no longer has anything to do with MGM. The name is changing to MTK and they try to whitewash that you know, the foundings as his criminal uh, reputation is becoming more and more toxic, Daniel Kinahan, because of what's happening back in Dublin and because of the the kind of the giant at that point coming together of police forces around the world in an effort against the Kinahan. Well, mafia. like if you remember the, 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 as people started to get murdered again and again as part of the Hutch Kinahan feud, it went from being a local crime story to being an international crime story. I mean, there was articles in The Guardian, mm. all through European papers. Um, and at that point, you know, Daniel Kinnan's name was being associated with these things in, in a very, towards the end of the article, sometimes you'd hear it mentioned or whatever. Mm. Um, so the, 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 that's why he stepped away from yeah. MGM. And that's why the name change ultimately came about. To MTK. But what you did start seeing then was, you know, Daniel, there was public things about he'd stepped away. But then all of a sudden you'd see him popping up on social media with some of these fighters or some of them would be tanking him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there would be things about him uh, giving them advice. Yes, yes. Do you he know what I mean? great old advisor, wasn't great he? Great old advisor, but nothing, yeah. like he wasn't working. But he wasn't with, working and he wasn't making any money. No. Interestingly, Ben Davison, who is a, a, one of the coaches linked to... Um, to Fury, because of course, when he when he comes into that MTK, MGM turning MTK fold, he's partnered up with the trainers, Danny Vaughan, Ben Davison, and the boxers, Thomas Stoker and Paddy Barnes, who are regularly sparring with him to try and help him come on. But all of this is, is this dream clash with Anthony Joshua. But Ben Davison, who is his trainer, would later say that Fury when he was introduced to Daniel Kinahan in early 27, and he dates that. And he says, 
he had a threat of legal cases hanging over him, financial worries. He was drinking tequila for breakfast and he was in bad health. And I'm quoting Davison here. At that point, Tyson was questioning everything about himself, even his own existence, he said. To have somebody come along and say, don't worry, I believe in you. I've got your back, was a godsend to him. Daniel gave him the footings to start again, a positive outlook and a pathway back to the top. It was huge for Tyson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was, you know, I mean, this is like he obviously, um, because of the, the condition he was in, he obviously needed that kind of round the clock attention uh, to get him back on, to get him back on track. And, uh, you know, I think um, obviously some of his family have previously spoken about knowing Daniel Kinnahan for 20 years and. Mm. Um, so that was obviously a factor in 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 the whole issue. Um, so he he like amazingly, uh, he did start to lose. You could see it over through the videos, the social media videos. All of a sudden, he looked, started to look, lose weight. He started to look like he was moving well, and he, like he still doesn't look fully like a the most defined of athletes but he's you know he did start to 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 pick up but it was a very very quite a rapid process mm. um and you know all of a sudden then he was uh you know fighting fit yeah he was the gypsy king again wasn't he and really that was that other it wasn't just sort of a return to the ring that was being offered him and maybe his motivation it was this sort of glittering future of unimaginable wealth that was the promise that was the carrot um and this glorious return to the ring where everybody would you know would watch on um I think Tyson himself around the time starts talking about, uh, you know, how he wants to do this for his family, for his friends, to show that he could make the comeback. He obviously gains confidence in himself and a bit of a determination. Um, he's still new to the fold when he's invited to Daniel Kinahan's much spoken about wedding at the Burj Al Arab in Dubai in the summer of 2017. Yeah, so, I mean, the wedding... Uh which, if you remember, you know, there was a lot of talk that was going ahead, but there wasn't, people weren't really sure what was going on. Um, I remember trying to, you know, get it into the paper, but it's become one of those um, moments that is another pivotal moment in the in the history of the Daniel Kinahan, uh, not just on a personal level getting married, but also because it was being monitored Um Obviously, by the DEA, DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency of the US, people didn't know that 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 the US had been become interested in it, and yet what you had was some of the most, probably the most prominent people in organized crime in Europe appearing for the wedding. You also had, then had many, many of the most high-profile boxers in the world uh, appearing none of whom are involved in crime, mm. but they were, so it was a... That's again where you see that kind of mingling of the worlds, isn't it? That it's, yeah. it's almost as if yeah. they're they're passing one another without... Yeah, and I think they some of them certainly had a regard for each other as well. Yeah. You know, they both liked uh, mixing with yeah. some of the criminals, like mixing with the celebrities, and some of the celebrities seem to like mixing with the criminals. Mm. Um, so that, 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 but... But Tyson Fury was there. Uh, I think he tweeted on the way and then took down a tweet, not not with Daniel, but at the the hotel. Um, so they he were was, all warned not to put anything up, and I think he he's always quick uh, on social media. He was with his wife Paris, and I think he he may have 
tried to congratulate Daniel, but was very quickly told to take yeah. it down, remove yeah. it. Um, that obviously was, you know, uh, I'm sure that, you know, there was no bad blood about it, but no. nonetheless, it was, he, he, he was told to move it down. He He's back in the ring, I think, by June 2018. Yeah, he's back in the ring. He has a couple of, I suppose, uh, a couple of fights that are to, to get him back on track. Um, maybe not, uh, you know, people people that he would have been expected to beat uh, back in the day. But he was still, I remember watching one of them and somebody was saying he's not going to beat these guys. But he did, He, he you know, he, he looked, uh, he didn't look as sharp as somebody who's been training throughout all that process. But, you know, what really happened is... Um, that he, all of us, he got a few fights under his belt, mm. and he, people started taking him seriously. People again, then. started taking him seriously, but he was also very quickly he had a fight uh, arranged with Deontay Wilder, who Deontay Wilder I think was unbeaten at this stage. Mm. He was really the most dominant heavyweight in 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 the world. Um, although Tyson had won a couple of fights, he didn't. Uh, they probably weren't of extremely high quality. Um, certainly in the very first one, it was very pedestrian-looking, you know, for obvious reasons that from where the guy was coming back from. But then he seemed to very quickly have this fight with Deontay Wilder. And I remember reading in the run-up to it, a lot of people saying, look, he's gonna, he just doesn't have a hope and that it's come too quickly. He should have fought, should have had another few fights over a year. Like, you know, I'll, really, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the exact... Uh, uh, odds, but the odds were the betting was incredibly favorable to Deontay Wilder, who was Deontay Wilder, maybe not the most, uh, you know, doesn't move as well as some boxers, but a ferocious puncher. And uh, I think really most people expected uh, Tyson Fury to be beaten, yeah, yeah, and beaten easily. Mm. And maybe thought it was, you this know. This kind of thing develops then around him, really, this underdog, this guy who's come back from the brink of everything and is winning. And, like, you couldn't sort of help yourself but sort of be, I mean, no, I don't really, I she do quite like boxing. I know nothing about well, it. I'm not, I wouldn't say to be an expert either, but he's a, like, he, he's a, like, he is a, a, he has a great boxing brain, yeah, Tyson Fury, yeah. you know. So, I mean, it was incredible, really. Like, you can't, whatever else you have to say to come back from there and to to, to go on to become the world champion, it is an incredible feat. Um, now, at the same time, and, and, and um, you know, around this time, Daniel Kinnahan is named in the High Court in, in Dublin. He's, um, he's named as the head of the Kinnahan Organised Crime Group. Um, as part of a cab case against the the Burn Network, which is a kind of a franchise of the Kinnahans. Um so you know that causes a big Ferrari on the front pages of the newspapers. Maybe while Tyson's sporting achievements are on the back, um, and on we go until the video message of twenty twenty. Hello there. I'm just after getting off the phone with Daniel Kinahan. Uh, he just informed me that the biggest fight in British boxing history has just been agreed. Get up there, my boy! Uh, big shout out, Dan. He got this done. Um, literally over the line. Two fight deal. Uh, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua um, next year. Big thank you, Dan, for getting this deal over the line. All the best. God bless you all. See you soon. Peace out. 
So that was a sensational moment, Niall. That was a sensational moment. I mean, I think it was there was two things going on. I mean, the Regency had been a few years, four years previous. Um, certainly things have become quieter on the streets of Dublin. Um, you know, the 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 success of MTK and and Daniel Kinahan's, you know, role as advising in boxing had increased. Um, he'd become more and more public over that period of time. He started appearing with, for example, Bob Arum, the the promote the US promoter. Um, he had gone quiet on social media, was reappearing with boxers. And I think he That's a confidence though, you see, because the time period has he, he's feeling that he's untouchable. Yes. He's in Dubai, he's in the Emirates, he's mixing with royals, yeah. his businesses are flying. Yeah. As we're later told by the US sanctions, he's worth one billion dollars. Yeah. This guy is from the streets of Dublin is now worth one billion. The confidence he has that he's untouchable. Yeah. The ego is is getting bigger and bigger. So I think you know, he probably could have, if you look back then, he could have probably stayed in the shadows. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, he would have been able to have that double life, I think, for a while more. But I think at that point he wanted to relaunch himself. Um, and I think he wanted to, I mean, look, it's it's one of the cliches. They want to go, they want to go become clean. They want to legitimize themselves. And uh, I think at that point there was a fight being arranged or a prospective fight being arranged with Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury, which would have been the kind of the pinnacle of, of, of certainly in British boxing. It would have been the biggest fight in, in the world. And I think Daniel probably wanted a, a name check yeah. for arranging it. Simple and I mean, there's that. no way, I've always said there's absolutely no way Tyson Fury did that without sanction from Kinahan to name him. There's absolutely no way anybody does anything without Kinahan sanctioning. And I think he he wanted that. He gave that. And of course, that led to absolute ructions here in Ireland. Leo Varadkar stood up in the doll. We had politicians getting in touch with, um, you know, their, their colleagues elsewhere in the UK. There was the Panorama documentary, which was the first time BBC properly handled the story, the Kinahan story and, and their connections with boxing. Um, coming into 2021, Daniel Kinahan himself is is really pushing onwards with this idea that he is a victim, that he is not who the the later we, we'll hear from the US and our own police exactly who he is. But he's trying to describe himself as a victim really of the Irish state. He's created this conspiracy theory all around what happened to him, that he was, you know, that there was a kind of a joint effort by media, politicians and police to have him killed. Um, and by March 2022, um, I think Kinahan is at the penultimate of that feeling of untouchability when yeah. he sits down with James English. And I think also he really had, maybe the role in the drugs business had changed, the Kinnan Organised Crime Group's role. They were, certainly if you remember back in 2016, I think they were they were micromanaging everything in Ireland. I mean, people were, they were, they were you know, absolutely involved, but I think they'd become a, become a more wholesaling role um, and I think that gave him the confidence then to push himself as a legitimate businessman. You had fighter after fighter coming out with with videos uh, on social media about how great Daniel Kinahan was. I mean, we had Daniel. We had one video on YouTube. Uh, Daniel Kinahan saved my life. One boxer had done a video. So 
I think he'd absolutely believed, um, and probably for reason in that he was involved in in negotiating with 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 you know international broadcasting companies. I think he believed he could step away and into this new role as a legitimate businessman by March 2022. That's where he was. Mm. He was just going to make that final one final push. And he was going to be there. And Tyson Fury at the same time, of course, is very concentrated on his career and the penultimate fight of his career. Um, the the bout against Dylan White in front of 94,000 fans at Wembley Stadium, um, which was due to take place in April. Now, um, March, we have Kinahan, top of his game, talking to, to, to James English. By April, for him, it's all over. Yeah, it's all over. I mean, it was all over. Uh, it was all over in twenty four hours. I think um, you know, despite what had been written about him, uh, despite what remember, it's not just what was written about him. I mean, it's what people knew. You know, yeah. Um, you know, he'd managed to look like he could somehow push away, push it all to the past. And um, remember, even just the week before, I think it was the week before. Um, we had one of the, mo- the most important figures in boxing, uh, the WBC president, um, come over and meet Daniel Kinahan in Dubai and then put out a most bizarre statement saying about how um, he had been the victim of a conspiracy and he was such a lovely guy and mm. he was mistreated. And and then within a week, he had to take that back because the American, the power of the American state mm. um came down in a sort of absolutely unequivocal way. Um, he was put in the same bracket as Al-Qaeda or, yeah. you know, some of the, 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 Russian, the, oligarchs. the Russian oligarchs. Mm. He was put in that absolute top category of, you know, what a, what effectively are regarded as, and, and some of the Mexican cartels, you know, enemies of of, of, of the US state. Um, and it was, it was, I actually remember and it's not too long ago, but <laughs> but watching it and thinking, ah, you know, they'll try and bounce out of this a bit more. You know, it's going to be a blow, but they'll 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 have the propaganda being pumped out by his by his his the fighters associated with him and all that. But it just didn't really happen. You had a couple of tweets in the aft in the couple of days after, um, and by nobody significant. I by nobody significant, and in fact, in and fact, certainly not by Tyson Fury. No, certainly not. And what you had instead was people rapidly withdrawing, mm-hmm. uh, people that had been absolutely, unequivocally loyal, um, you know, who had propagandized on his propagandized mm-hmm. on his on his behalf. People, some of them, people who knew it didn't even matter that convictions or not. These people knew people who were you know, would have known people who had been shot or would have had associations. I mean, everybody knew. Um, but all of those people, they just stopped, um, dramatically so, um, because anybody in the world of boxing knew, you know, that 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 you can't, that double life was over. And if they wanted to make a living out of boxing, they could not be coming out in support of Daniel Kinnan, just as simple as that. A very good old pal of mine, mm. who would have been uh, a significant player in the underworld, mm. used to always say to me, it's all about the money. Yeah. There is no loyalty. No. 
probably in life somewhat. I mean, yeah. that's a little bit grim now, but you'd like to think that the normal world exists, but it's all about the money. And when that money was threatened, it was really, and for boxing itself, I think it's disgraceful as a sport. It was only when the corporate uh, was threatened that they stood up and stood back. Absolutely. And I nobody mean, still is condemned. No, but it was all it was all about the money because they were Daniel or there was he was funneling money into the world of boxing and therefore he was okay. And when he then became a drag on them generating money, he was no longer okay. I mean, Daniel Kinnan, just to be clear, like he was the head of an organized crime gang since sometime in the mid well, certainly, let's say, if you take it from the mid-2000s. Early or 2000s, whatever. yeah. Yeah. So he didn't become an or, uh, the head of an organized crime gang on, was it March the 19th or whatever, in, 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 in when the U.S. government stood up. He didn't become that that day mm -hmm. just because the American government said it. He was that before and he's that after. And uh, people knew it. I mean, the dogs in the street knew it. I, I know people don't always love that term, but they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, like... You know, kind of the first after after the kind of the dust settled somewhat after those sanctions were announced, the first one to be targeted by the media questioning, of course, was Tyson because he he was facing the fight with Dillian White. Yeah, he was promoting it. I mean, he was promoting it almost every day in the run up. Like, you know, obviously. And he was trying to ignore the elephant in the room and just, you know, some of the interviews he was doing, he was clearly saying, I'm not talking about this, but he was confronted. He was and confronted. He stormed out. He stormed out. I mean, he was he was he was probably unlucky in his timing in that you know as part of like these fights, there was a huge crowd obviously in Wembley and that generates a lot of money. But really, the money to be made is is pay per view where you know on for for subscribers. I mean, that is where they make the big money. Mm. And in order to make that money, to get people interested, it has to be promoted by the fighters primarily. Mm -hmm. So those guys have to come out and sell it effectively, mm. which Tyson Fury is brilliant at selling his fights because he's such a, 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 you know, extroverted character. And so, but he got stuck because every single interview, somebody wanted to ask about it. Mm. And we had the bizarre thing just a few days, I think after the sanctions were laid, that they had a, a press conference online, a video conference, and people were being told you can't ask this, you can't ask that. But once you get before a, a TV camera, I suppose, you know, if the question gets asked, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Do you know? So mm -hmm. they, they couldn't really stop it in the long term. But they were trying to stop questions being asked. But anything he has said since is that he's nothing to do with Daniel Kinahan. And, uh, you know, he's totally and utterly yeah. nothing got to do it. I mean, it's like almost it's sort of a Judas Iscariot m move, isn't it? That he's denying the guy who, and we've gone through it who he credited with his comeback, who he credited with taking him from the scrap heap and offering him this, you know, fresh hope for a, a new life. And, and now, nothing to see here, my friend. No, and I mean, remember, of course, it wasn't as if it was all historical. I mean, they were posed on, a, on the rooftop in a Dubai gym. I mean, it was only a month earlier. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't historical. Um, but yeah, because... See, what we heard then was the sanctions and there was, I think, seven people named and sanctioned at that point. And, but then, you know, a couple of weeks later, I, I, you, the assistant commissioner from the Guard uh, did an interview and he said, this number, this 600. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, 
all of a sudden, like 600 is a lot of a people. A lot of people. I mean, that yeah. is a lot of people. It's the trainers, the coaches, whoever's working I mean, in the gyms. Yeah, you know? there's not 600 people in the, the organized crime gang. That's no. other people as yeah. well. 100%. And, 100%. And, and straight away, when I heard that, I thought, does that include Tyson Fury? I mean, this is the world heavyweight champion. Yeah. Does that actually include him? And as the time has gone on, it looks as if it didn't. No. Until... Yeah, Friday. Though the the signs were with Matthew Macklin. I mean, I think that was also a shock. I was thinking, you know, it's no, it's people, money people, or you know, accountants or whatever. But no, it was it, the the Americans were having nobody in that had chosen to be with them. So, what does it ultimately, them. you know, and finally, what does it ultimately mean for Tyson Fury? Well, as I said, you know. He told us he was retired, by the way, but they all say that. Well, I think he's already suggested now that he isn't retired. Mm. Um, You know, so always with, like with boxing, like like, uh, rock bands, British rock bands, they make it big in the in the UK, but they really want to break the US. Mm. And I think with boxers, it's it's something similar. Like there's there's obviously a big market in the UK. They they can become very you know wealthy through that market, but really it's to go over to the states to break that pay per view, to 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 sell a lot of those, to get a proceed of that. They get they get a share of those those things, kind of like Conor McGregor has done. You mm, know mm. where he he you know. So that that is what Tyson Fury um and and all of the the boxers in the UK ultimately want to do is to you know they he can certainly he can fight in the UK he can probably fight in the Middle East but to go over to the US that's where they make the big big money I mean that absolutely phenomenal money and in order to do that they have to be over there it's all very well saying he's fighting I'm sure he can just fight in Saudi Arabia but like a lot of these fighters when even if they are fighting elsewhere they go over to the US and they go and do press conferences they do stunts they go around the chat shows they do all these things and you know they get so that's the, all of that you know that's just no longer available to him and presumably to others um, so it's going to have a huge impact Um it's 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 interesting actually. Like they're they're banned there. You know, we have no idea if they can even appeal that. Can they go to court? Can they? How long does that last for? Does it last? Is that for, indefinite? Is that for the rest of their no, lives? No, it's actually it? no. It's actually on their website on the 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 official sanctioning things that they can be. Some of these can be removed or changed. It doesn't say exactly how, but uh, you know, the days of seeing boxers coming out and saying. Poor Al Daniel is a great guy, and I don't know anything about that, but, you know, he's a wonderful advisor. I mean, they are all over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where does that leave him, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the dream of, of of you know, exiting the world of organized crime to become a legitimate businessman with a few questions and a, maybe a colorful past. Um, like, you know, that dream was still alive when he, he sat down, and James English is obviously one of the most, successful podcasters in the in the UK um he you know I think that's probably in the month before the sanctions he had sat down I'd say the the idea the, that interview was due out actually on on Paddy's day but didn't come out for who who knows exactly why but I think that was the point at which he really believed you know okay. I'm going to get there look there'll always be a couple of questions about me but you know I'm going to be able to really put that in the past I one mean, more stepping stone. One more stepping stone, and in fact, but in he went to the. In drink. He went, in, he went in. He went <laughs> so, into the to the currents, and yeah, it's been swept yeah. off 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there is no coming back. And no doubt tainted too is is the that amazing comeback we spoke of of Tyson Fury because um, you know while obviously his story continues, this will be a very dark chapter. Being yeah, look, I mean, this is the this is the other reality for him is that that you know he can he can he and he will do interviews and in. You know, and he has a lot to say, and much of it is of great worth. But it, that question will always will always be asked of him. I mean, that's just the way it is. And you had another boxer there just yesterday, Josh Taylor, another really talented boxer, who again has to answer the Daniel Kinnan question and say, "Have no more dealings with him," and all of that after praising him to the hilt previously. So those guys are. That's always going to be there at them. You know. You can't change history. Niall Donald, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. 